That was louder than the last microphone, wasn't it, uh, Brad? All good. All righty. Um, welcome. Good morning. I mean, we've already had the, the welcome. Thank you, Holly, for putting the first bit together. Um, brilliant. Thank you for people. It's your first time. Especially welcome. You know, good to have some of you guys here that may be here for the first time. Uh, last week, it was a little bit wet. So, uh, I don't know, hopefully no one showed up, hopefully we got the message out and you're either A, cut off and you couldn't get in, or B, you heard about it and you didn't come in, so I won't ask you to put your hand up if you're like, you know, walking around the buildings and everything's locked up and hopefully that didn't happen, but, uh, so obviously we had a bit of a week off uh, last week, um, but good to see you all back. Uh, we've been going through a series here at Refresh uh, called Five Words. Now, now, as any, you know, it seems we're in, a, it seems we're in an educational institution, uh, you know, review is always a good thing when it comes to education, so I'm just wondering, this five-word series, for those who have been here, not last week, obviously, because no one was here, but the weeks prior to that, can anyone remember any of the words? I won't even make you do it in order. Anyone remember the word? Substitute, that was one word, it wasn't the first one, but that's okay, I didn't ask for the first one, not in order. We had, we've gone through three already, okay, so we're looking for two more words. God, yes, tick, all right, we've got God in the picture, God, substitute, and, oh, here we go, sin, oh, you are so good, except I can see the screen at the back and I know you're cheating, okay, God, uh, God, sin, substitute, and today, seems it was flooded in, you get to have two sermons in one, so we should be out of here by about 3.30, uh, and we're going to talk about believe and life, okay, so, and these, these, these uh, words, I guess, are the centre of the gospel. This is, this is what it's all about. If you want to talk God matters, if you want to talk spiritually, this is what it's all about. We need to understand who God is. We need to understand that this world, and this is what we talked about in the first few weeks, that this world um, is, is a fallen world, is, is, a, is a world with problems, is a world with issues, and even if your life's going all right, well done, congratulations, that's great, but reality is it could be better, even if it's good, or people know we all go through at times when sin impacts us in some pretty drastic ways and there's hurt and there's pain and all that sort of stuff. So, so sin, sin entered the world. Substitute, substitute being Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus came into this world to try and deal with this sin problem that we have and to try and, and to give us a, uh, a path where we, can, where we can one day get rid of this sin and one day step above the mess that we find our sin in. Like I said, no matter, let's find ourselves in, no matter how, how good or bad we think things are going for us, it could be better. And the next thing I want to talk about is believe. And we, like I said, we're going to sort of talk about believe and life. And, and the reason we thought we'd sort of put them together is because they, they sort of run very, they run together very smoothly. So we're going, to, we're going to cover these two topics today. Now, have you, here's a question for you to start things off. Have you ever found it difficult to work out what you believe in certain aspects. I'm not talking about God stuff necessarily right now, I'm just talking about what, you know, all different areas of life, whatever. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where, where you're not real sure about what the truth is? Now, I'll, I'll throw you out, I don't know, no one's really nodding or shaking their heads or, or anything like that just yet, so I'll throw out a few examples and, and you might start smiling and you might, like politicians, okay? Now, I don't, I don't want to bag politicians as such, maybe, maybe there's someone member for something, something here, I don't know, but... But politicians, often you hear one side of the story and you watch this politician on TV say, you know, this is how, this is how it is and this is, this is the truth and the whole truth and then you get the opposing side saying, no, it's all lies and this is the truth and you sit back and all you see, all you really have to go on often is what you see on TV and you go, 
I haven't got a clue what, you know, what, what, uh, what the truth really is, so I just like what he's wearing, so I'll just choose him. That's about, you know, that's about as informed as you potentially may be. Uh, and here's another example where I, I reckon this probably impacts every single person in this room. In fact, I'm I've, 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 I've pretty certain. I'll give, you a little, I'll give you a little example of what happens. This is relating to my family. Now, all my boys have left. They've all walked out of the room, so I won't, but I won't mention their names to embarrass them, but I, I might use this little, uh, little example. Okay. Dad comes home from work, that's me, and I walk out into the backyard, and, I, and I've got a... Um, I've got a garden shed, a tin, just a small tin garden shed, you know, just to keep the mower and all, the, all that sort of stuff in there. And I notice that the garden shed, there's a door like smack bang in the middle, like it's not real wide, you know, it's sort of one you nearly have to duck under to get in. And I notice there's this huge big dent in the door, right? So much so that all these tins just all, like, sort of all come out of its track and it's all sort of ripped out and it's, you can't even open the door. And it's like, huh. The dog's not big enough to do that, uh, as, sort of, as sort of as nasty and sometimes as destructive as the dog may be. All right, the dog didn't do that, so like, it doesn't leave too many options, right? I've got four other people that run around and play in the backyard. And so it's like, boys, what happened to the shed? I don't know. You know, I don't know. And, and then there's this thing, and then you think, well, actually, I think I do know, boys. And, and you start saying, I think you boys might have been playing here, and someone's, someone's either kick something into this or someone's run into it, tackled someone in, like maybe you know, someone's like done a big drive and tackle and driven them through the door, or I don't know, like, and they're going, and then it starts, they like, they feel the heat, right? They feel the heat coming and they're like, oh, Dad's onto it, Dad's onto it. It's like, and then all of a sudden it's like, it was him. And they point, and like, there's like three people all pointing in all the different directions, you know, it was him, it was him, it was him. This happened just this last week. And, <laughs> and, I, and, and it's like, right, now, what is the truth? What do I believe here? And there's a few ways, I guess, we can go about determining the truth. Uh, I narrowed it down to two, all right? So money because of, you know, well, that one wasn't out the back at the time and that one was, well, presumably it was too small. But anyway, maybe, maybe, maybe you just got away with it. Maybe that's that smallest child sort of thing that, you know, you just get away with stuff that no one else can. Narrowed it down to the two little boys. And um, I said, righto, boys, my guess is you fellas were playing soccer this afternoon, weren't you? Yes, Dad, but it was him. It was, he, you know, I said, my guess is someone's kicked the ball into the shed, like, and, and you've, you know, you've, you've done it. Yeah, but it was him. He kicked it, he kicked it. He, anyway, they, it's just like back and forth. No, no, I can't. I've got a sore tail. I can't kick that hard today. And like, there's all these excuses. That, like that one, that's, that's a legit thing. That's what he said. There's all these excuses coming up, right? And, uh, and there's, I guess there's a few things, because I didn't really know the truth. Like, how do you know? Like, so there's a few things I could have done. One is I could have maybe just disciplined both of them. Like, and that's, you know, if you're a kid or have been a kid, that's what mum and dad does sometimes, right? Don't know the truth, so just line up, all right? Just, just take everyone down. Like, that's, that's just, yeah, you're laughing because that's what happens. Or the other option is, like, parents just go, oh, I don't know the truth and let everyone off. But then, yeah, that's not a good thing either. The other thing you can do, I guess, is look at the person who's most likely to have done it, you know, the one that's always in trouble, and just blame them again anyway. Uh, that, you know, that happens as well. Um, or I guess you could just do the whole eeny, meeny, miny, mo and just take one and there's 50-50 chance of getting it right. What do you do when you're not real sure about what you believe? Just for your information, I took, a stab in the, I took the stab in the dark approach and I just started blaming people. And I said, this is, my, this is what I think, boys, this is my stab in the dark. I think both of you were kicking the ball and I think both of you to blame. It probably took more than one hit and they're both going... Yes, Dad. I'm like, yes, I got it. Like, that was pretty exciting. I just, there was a stab in the dark and I would come up Trump, so I thought I was doing pretty well. 
what happens when you're not real sure? When you're not real certain about what to believe? I want to bring this back to a God level. All of us are on a probably on a continuum. There may be, I don't know, there may be, probably unlikely, but maybe there might be someone here who says, you know what, I don't believe in God at all. I'm just here because my husband brought me here or my, my, my parents sort of encouraged me to come along or I don't know, whatever it is, you might be here with a family member of some sort. But really, church is not my thing, God's not my thing, I don't even believe there's God. That might be you. That's cool, all right? If you, that's you, welcome anyway. That's like, we love everyone, anyone who comes through a door. You don't have to believe in God to come to refresh. Or you might be like right at the other end and you go, you know what, I absolutely know, 100%, I'm certain that there's a God and I absolutely 100% know that he exists and I see him at work on a daily basis. I, can see, I see him doing things in my life and I give him credit for that. That's cool. That's awesome. And then there's people probably all along that continuum. There's people who, ah, oh, yeah, look, I think there's a God but I don't really see him at work and I don't even know if he really does anything in, in this world or in this life. Certainly doesn't appear to do anything in my life. And there's people who maybe a step further along who might be like, yep, there's definitely a God. I know he's at work, but probably don't myself have a real dynamic relationship, but, I, but I, I'm pretty certain he's there. And then like I said, there's other people who maybe a step further on and go, yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's around. I see him work sometimes, like, you know, three months ago there was this time. You know, it might not be an everyday thing, but fairly regularly. How do we determine what we believe in. How do we know whether this whole God thing um, is, is for real or is like maybe for someone else or is, is, what we can, is what we see in the Bible, you know, trustworthy, is what we hear is people like Neil stand up the front of these churches and, 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 and we talk, they talk about God and they all, they always say, oh, you know, all these great things and, but I never quite get it myself because I'm not real sure what to believe. I'm not, I'm just, I'm still making, out, making up my mind. And you know what, if that's you, perfect great, great that you're listening to God, great that you maybe you're giving it a shot, that's all right, no one, you don't have to be good enough, you don't have to be, um, have got it all together before you come to God, just want to say that, doesn't matter where you're at, God takes you where you are, just want to say that. I want to take you to, uh, I want to take you to the book of John, in John chapter 3, there's this guy called Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is a great, it's a great little story here of Nicodemus, because He's, he's a guy that started off not real sure about this Jesus character. And it's in the New Testament, uh, in the book of John, so this is like the stories about Jesus. And Nicodemus, um, he is a Pharisee. Okay, so just a real quick background. Uh, Pharisees, are basically, he's, he's at the top of his game as far as the religious world goes. Like, he's a leader. He's, he's actually in, on, uh, in the Sanhedrin, which is like the the Jewish council, so it's like the high court, for want of a better term, not exactly like that, but more or less. So he's like at the top of the top. He's one of these guys uh, who, who knows his Bible, knows you know, the Old Testament, knows all the stuff about, all there is to know about God. He's in a prominent position of power because uh, people respect him and he's, and he's, well, hopefully he's respectable and that's why he's there. Jesus comes along, Jesus upsets their world a little bit, the Pharisees. Jesus, Jesus upsets their... Um, their, their whole world view of who this God is and, and Jesus starts teaching these things that, that the, um, the Pharisees don't agree with. But Nicodemus, unlike some of the other guys, Nicodemus starts looking at what Jesus is doing and who Jesus is and there's something about that that, Nick, that sparks a bit of an interest in Nicodemus. So John chapter 3 verse 1, we're going to have a quick little look at it um, and we're going to go to the first... Uh, the first verse of that, you may not have it up on the screen today, I didn't get it to the boys in time, but 
Uh, so if you've got your Bible, um, John chapter 3, uh, we're going to look at verse 1 to 6 to start with. All right, so, now there's a man, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, okay, being there, a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher, has, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracles, miraculous signs you are doing if God were not in him. All right, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Now, the first question we need to ask ourselves, and we look into this a little bit deeper, why did Nicodemus come to Jesus at night? Doesn't explicitly say, but we could sort of nearly assume that he was a, he was a bit nervous about being seen with Jesus. He didn't, want to be, he didn't want to be seen by his other colleagues as someone who was fraternizing with the enemy, who was, who was out there talking to Jesus, who was like on the opposite side. They didn't like Jesus. So he comes to Jesus at night. So he's not, he's not a sold-out believer. And if you were to put him on the continuum of this, I don't believe in Jesus at all, or I'm a sold-out follower, he's probably, he's probably maybe a, just a step or two from the, from the I don't believe. He's just gone, you know what? I know that you're from God because like, clearly what you're doing, if we, if we look objectively, it goes against what we say as, as Pharisees, Nicodemus is saying, but clearly something's going on. And he says, and he says to Jesus, um, for no one could perform the miracle, miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. So he's giving him some sort of credit. And then Jesus goes on, Jesus, and Jesus replies, I'll tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Well, that's just weird, all right? That, that, like Jesus comes up with this, just where did that comment come from? Uh, Nicodemus just says, hey, I can see that you're God, I can see that you're from God, and then he just talks about being born again. And Nicodemus is like in a bit of a spin because that's just like... like do you really want to think about that? Like, that's just a weird sort of a concept, right? If someone said, oh, you've got to be born again, like, if you've been around Christian circles before, you've heard of it, and that's sort of, oh, yeah, I've heard that, but, like, if you've never heard that before, that's just real weird. So he says, in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Verse 5, Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. In other words, Jesus is right back at this guy and he's saying, you need to start again, mate. Not talking about flesh, all right? I'm not talking about the body. I'm talking about the Spirit. I'm talking about your relationship with, Jesus, relationship with God. You need to start again. He says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water. Uh, water and the Spirit. If we go across, we'll, there's a whole heap in there that's pretty cool. If you want to read that for yourself, go ahead. But we're going to skip across to verse 14. And, and this is where Jesus starts to explain about who he is and what has to happen. And about this whole, you know what, if you want to be hooked up with God and if you want something a bit different in this world than just like dying like everyone else. This is what's going to have to happen. And in verse 14 of John chapter 3, Jesus, uh, Jesus says this, um, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. All right, let me explain that. Children of Israel, Old Testament, Exodus, Moses, all that sort of stuff, they were cruising along. They weren't really cruising. No, I don't think anyone was really happy to be there, but they were going along in the desert. They were out, out in the, you know, out in the wilderness 
and a whole heap of snakes turned up and everyone was getting bitten by snakes. Maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't. Everyone was being bitten by snakes and they started to die off. All these people were... And so Moses actually made this bronze uh, pole and statue of a snake and basically all he did was he propped it in the ground and he said to everybody, he said, if you've been bitten by a serpent or a snake, all you have to do is go and look at this and you'll be healed and you'll be right, you won't, you won't die. Well, that's ridiculous. What, I mean, that doesn't make sense. That's not science. Like, no, one, no one's going to like, maybe you know, lay them down, give them, a, you know, give them a cool drink and make sure they don't move because you know, we know snake bites run through. You know, like, this is not science. This is, this is a, that's dumb advice. You can't just look at something and be, and like, and, and be healed and be, you know, be well again. That's not first aid. Like, we didn't learn that in first aid when a snake bite, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just look at something, but that's what they did. Moses stuck up this bronze pole with this snake serpent on it, with a snake on it. And he said, anyone who looks at this will be saved. And here Jesus is saying the same thing about him. And by the way, that's exactly what happened. People who looked at that just by the faith, it was obviously a miraculous thing, were indeed healed, got better. I'd like to try and see a uh, first aid instructor sort of mention that, just to see what happens. Um, but here Jesus, Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. In other words, he was talking about himself. And he's starting to explain the steps involved in this whole getting saved, in, in how do you become saved? How do you, how, do you, how do you get this eternal life? How do you, how do you do, get something a little bit better? And here it is, ready? That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. This is this whole believe thing. Here it is. John 3.15 That anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, first of all, who is allowed, who has permission to believe in Jesus? Everyone. Who does not have permission? Who, who, who is excluded in this? No one. Quite often, and particularly, well, it's not only young people, but young people and others, quite often we feel, and you'll hear this time and time and time again, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I am not good enough to be saved. I've done too many bad things. God could never love me how I am. I'd have to, I'd have to put all this aside. I'd have, to, I'd have to sort myself out. I'd have to straighten things up before God would be able to love me, before I would be able to come to Christ, before I could go to church. I'd have to get, like, I'd have to get better. I'd have to do better. I'd have to be good. Eh, wrong. It's not how it works. And... You might understand that, may not, I don't know, but if you, if you don't understand that, hear it real clear, you don't have to be good to come to Christ. Christ comes to you and takes you where you're at. doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, anything like that. And if you already do understand that, I'll ask you to do a favour for me. Can you make sure whenever you hear someone say that or talk to someone that's saying those things, can you correct them? Can you make sure that you say, no, 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 that's not how it works at all? Because that's one big thing that holds people away. They think that they're not good enough to come to Christ. They think they're not good enough to come and spend time in a community, or we call it a church, you know, on a, on a weekend, on a Saturday morning or whatever. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, the word believe. Okay, so what we're trying to get to is, I guess, in this... Jesus, what Jesus is talking about is eternal life. And we're going to mix the two. I said we're talking about believe and we're talking about life today. The life. Okay, so Jesus here is saying, I'm offering you eternal life. 
And let me say it, let me be real clear, right? If you're, if you're at high school, all right, girls sitting in a row there, so you got, you know, there's a few of us here, right? Uh, if you're in high school, my guess is probably, probably or quite possibly, dying is not on your radar, all right? <laughs> like, like, you know, it's just probably not something, you know, eternal life probably doesn't really seem that attractive because you're never going to die, okay? Because the, you, you're bulletproof, you're, you're like, there's just like years in front of you and there is, quite possibly, you know, and, and that sort of stuff is really just like, I don't know, people say eternal life, you think, well, whatever, I've got my own life and I've got another 60 or 80 years in front of me yet, you know, I'm not real worried about that at all. And so quite often we talk about eternal life and, you know, people like me stand up here and you think, wow, eternal life, this is what, and everyone's like, yeah, oh, whatever, I've got a whole life here yet to live. But take it from someone who's old like me. No. I'm nearly halfway. Um, That eternal life, and the way the eternal life that God has planned for us is something pretty special. It's, it's something that you think things are good now, I'll tell you they're rubbish, absolute rubbish compared to what God's going to give you forever. And so Jesus says, here's the way, there's eternal life, there's something special, there's something better at the end of all this. And this is how you get it. And it's real easy. Everyone who believes in me may have eternal life. Is it really that simple? Is it really that easy? Just got to, what does that word believe in? Pistuel is the Greek word, believe. Now, it, as it sounds, believe, to acknowledge, to give credit to, um, but also to trust in or to have confidence in. So it's not just, I believe there is a God, but it's, I believe there is a God that I can put my faith and trust my life and give my life over to. All right, that's the word. Give my life over to. And then there's eternal life. How cool is that? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be something special. You don't have to be, you know, gone through a certain class or, or you know, four years of, you know, certain memorising scripture or something, I'll say that wouldn't be a bad thing, but you don't have to do all this stuff in order to have eternal life. God takes you where you are. God takes you as you are and gives you something pretty special. Um, not everything, not everything that people believe in popular culture, in, you know, in society, is always necessarily true. Um, Quite often people will say there is no such thing as a God and this whole belief thing, you know, pff, mate, there's no such thing as a created God. Most of the people would think, you believe in creation, you believe there's a God? Pff, rubbish. But there are quite often things, I guess, in the past where people, and a lot of people have put their belief into that haven't turned out. Now, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, 31st of December, 1999. Um, hands up if you already know where I'm going with this story. All right, okay, you're old, all right? No, you're not as old as some, because some people weren't even born then. 31st of December, 1999. I think it was a Friday night, I think it was. Saturday, anyway, can't remember. Summer, it was a weekend. On the 1st of January... 2000, there was an issue. There was an issue because 
computer programmers and tech heads have all just realized that they never actually used four digits to uh, program the date into their computers. Okay, are you catching on now, young people? You've heard of this story, the Y2K thing? Nah. Good. Story for you then. All right. Makes me feel very old. I was already old when this happened. Um, so, they thought that all the computers, well, many computers would crash because instead of the, the digits, like if the date was, uh, whatever the date is today, 28th of February, you know, 2802, 2015. Well, instead of saying that, it would, instead of saying 1999, it would, it would because the, the last two digits was all that was programmed. It was just 99. But when it went to 00, they thought the computers are going to have a bit of an attack and and all die and all, which was mm, fair enough. You know, you might not be able to get your money out of your bank. Your, your little PC at home, which was probably about this big at the time, um, it was going to crash. Maybe uh, all these sort of things. But worst of all was that planes may fall out of the sky because all the planes are computer controlled. Okay, and so there's this, bit, this, this nervousness around, you know, safety and all this sort of stuff. Now, I'll just, just quickly give you how it impacted my life. One, I got up and I set my alarm for like 11.30, because I actually already went to bed on that night, even that was New Year's. Um, and I got up to watch all the lights go out, because that was what was meant to happen, it was a big power failure. S bitterly disappointed, nothing happened. But the next morning, we were living in Hobart at the time, right? And the next morning, my father-in-law was visiting. You know, it was over Christmas period. And my my mother, my, my in-laws were visiting. And my father-in-law was due to fly out. Now, he happened to be on the very first plane out of Hobart, 2000. January 1, 2000. Now, my mother-in-law's not... She, sometimes she's actually a member. She, doesn't, she has not here today, so I can tell this story. Now, she was a little bit nervous, right? She was like, oh, no, my husband's flying out. And it happened to be the very first plane. Oh, you know, it's a bit... Anyway, we were winding her up a little bit, as you do, I guess, as a son-in-law. That's just sort of, that's what your job is, right, Jordan? Like, um, you know, you wind, wind your in-laws up. Um, and after a while, we realised that maybe we're taking this too far. When you could start to see, you know, little tears welling, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I better back off. Please don't tell her this. And anyway, Joe, father-in-law, he didn't, he didn't give her if he was not worried about it at all. Anyway, gets on the plane. Um, you see the nervousness, and oh, you know, wait until you see it up in the air. Okay, it's not. Anyway, the plane, right? This is no, this is a true story. The plane gets on the runway, taxis down at the end of the runway, sits there, does its warm-up thing, full throttle. It's like it's taking, gets about to take off. It's like three seconds. It's just before it just like lifts off, you know, where the wheels don't touch the ground anymore. And all of a sudden, it just jams on its brakes. No word of a lie, right? <laughs> just jams on its brakes and comes to an abrupt halt. Just stops like as fast like smoke. <laughs> in the middle of the runway, and I'm looking over and I was about to, no, I better not say anything else right about there, like, okay. And everyone else is looking out the window going, oh my goodness, what's happening? Anyway, I just sat there for, for 15 minutes for an extended period of time, and then it, the, little, the little car with a flashing light goes out and does some stuff, and then it comes back, and then next thing it starts coming back in and taxis back in, and all everyone's still sitting on the runway, and next thing all the passengers start coming off. It's like, and I'm still looking over, I'm like, oh, oh, I best better leave this one alone. Turns out, the Y2K problem that we had in Hobart on the Qantas flight flying from Hobart to Sydney, I think it was on that day, was the pilot actually left a window open and then some birds got into the cockpit and a bird got in behind the panelling and they just discovered it as they were about to fly off. So that was about the extent of it, right? It was a big letdown. Um, it was a very big letdown. But all around, these people are like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know, what if this really is true? Or what if it, you know, believing things and people around that Y2K thing, they were like, there were many, many people, not just, I mean, not every person, of course, but there were lots of people who were like, 
digging these big bunkers and buying all this unperish, you know, non-perishable foods because you never know and you're never going to be able to buy food again and there's going to be mass wars and that's just out of control. A lot of people believe stuff, is where I'm going, a lot of people believe stuff that's simply not true. And I guess it's up to us to decide what is true and what's not, to look for ourselves and to look to God for ourselves. Not, not for someone, not even just to necessarily listen to, to people like me standing up the front, but to actually look for yourself. What do you believe? Have you gone to God and said, right, God, I'm prepared for you to show me what it is. I'm prepared for you to show me the truth, to show me, to show me where I should be going with this. Back to John 3. And then we have, straight after this, John 3.15 is obviously the most famous text, I guess you'd say, is John 3.16. And basically, Jesus repeats himself again. But he adds a little bit extra. He says, for God so loved this world. John 3.16. God so loved. He said, I love this place more than anything. I love it. I love, I love the people that I created. For God so, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He was talking about himself. That whoever, here it goes again, whoever, doesn't matter who you are, whoever believes... Whoever believes that I am the Son of God, whoever puts their faith and trust into him, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I guess there's a couple of things when it comes to life and, and there's some other parts. I'm going to stay in John but I'm going to go over to John 10. Um, there's a couple of things when it comes to life. I guess there's a quantity quantity of life, all right, so to live forever, and there's also a quality of life. And here Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, I will give you eternal life. I will give you life that will not end. And that's, no, 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 that's a pretty amazing thing, and to think that, you know what, and, and if, you know, we had time, we'd look through a whole heap of other things, that anyone else who does the same will also be living in that same place. How cool is that? You know, the, the grandparents or great-grandparents or ancestors or people that you may have that may have passed away in our time that you know that you have known personally one day you'll be reunited that's that's an awesome thing because that's how it was meant to be it wasn't meant to be this rubbish uh, that that we currently that we currently have all right John 10 um, if we cross over to John 10 we're going to read verse 10 uh, but just to fill you in on this story uh, here Jesus is, is explaining um, and he's, I guess he's using an illustration and he's likening himself to a good shepherd, uh, to a person who looks after his sheep. And basically he's saying, in fact, if I go back to verse 7, so John 10, verse 7, um, sorry, Richard, if you're trying to get that going. Uh, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever, uh, all who ever come uh, came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Okay, so he's talking about the same sort of thing. Um, and he's, but he's just using this example of like, he's like the good shepherd and everyone, all the people are the sheep. Um, he will come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, Jesus will take, take the sheep in and out and look after them. Okay, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy... I have come that you may have life, you know, talking about life, ready, and have it to the full. Now, this concept of having life to the full, I want to talk about that just for a little while. I mean, this, is, I guess, is the life side. Okay, we've got believe, let's believe in God, and now what sort of life can we expect? What sort of life do you think we can have because of this? 
before we talk about Jesus and before we talk about the kind of life that he offers and before we talk about the kind of plan that he might have for your life, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about who the thief is. I don't want to concentrate too much on it, but I want to spend a little bit of time about who the thief is. It says here in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief here clearly is, is the devil or Satan. Now, quite often, and I don't want to necessarily focus on him too much, but I want to acknowledge who he is and acknowledge the power that he, is, that he has. Quite often, we probably don't give the devil enough credit. The devil has more power than any of us on our own, without Christ on by our side. The devil, Satan, has a plan for your life, just like Christ has a plan for your life. Satan has a plan for your relationships. Satan has a plan for your career. Satan has a plan for your friends. Satan has a plan for the end of your life. Satan has a plan for our lives. It's not the same plan, but similarly, does Jesus have a plan for our lives, although they're polar opposed? says here the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy that's the devil he says i'm jesus says the thief the devil he's out to, to destruct he's out to to take down people he says he says but i have come that you may have life and have it to the full like i said there's a quantity okay living forever there's a quantity you can live you know that's what jesus promises you have eternal life but there's also this quality issue this quality that Jesus says, I don't want you just to survive. I don't want you to go through life just surviving. And, you know, like, let's be honest, sometimes that's how we feel, right? There's sometimes that we probably all, you know, whether it's just like, there's, it's Thursday night, students, you know, senior students, whatever, it's Thursday night and, and there's half a dozen assignments due tomorrow and, like, you've started none of them or whatever it might be and you feel like there is no quality of life about now it's like this is just oh this is going to take a long time to get through and then i'm probably going to get smashed for it because i didn't really put the effort i should have into it all that sort of stuff i don't know maybe that was just me when i was at school or it might be a work situation or it might be family when you're going you know what at the moment i just feel like i'm just surviving i'm not getting through this but i'm only just surviving i get that there's times in our life we feel like that that's not the plan i'm just saying yep and there's sin in the world, there's bad stuff in the world, and sometimes the devil gets to us, and sometimes the, the devil's plans impact us. But that's not the plan for Jesus has for us. Jesus says, I want to give you life, and not any life. I don't want you just to survive, I want you to thrive. I want you to live life to the full. I want you to just have a, a quality of life, here and now, as well as the future, here and now, that's something real special, that's something real different. People try, people try to achieve quality on their own. People try to get quality. People want quality of life and try to get it on their own. And you might think, oh, yeah, what do you mean, Neil? Let me tell you. There are many people who struggle with this quality of life issue. Now, I'm talking about, well, I'm, I'm, talk I'm talking people who believe in God as well as people who don't believe in God. But quite often we'll see people who, who jump from one thing to the next looking for something better it might be they jump from one relationship to the next looking for something a little bit more interesting uh, it might be that they 
they, they move from career to career just trying to find more money because they think that finding, finding something better in life uh, might, be, might make them more happy. And, you know, again, as a, as a young person, you're probably thinking, well, it's all in front of me and, I've, you know, I haven't even got a job and one day if I can get a job or I can get a, you know, a half-decent paying job, then I can buy this, this and this. And, and your dreams are about this big, you know, like they're, they're sizable and you think, if I can just get enough money, I'll be able to achieve those dreams give us another five or ten years, you're going to have those dreams and then you're going to think, oh, not so exciting. So your dreams get a little bit bigger and your wish list gets longer or the, or the things that you want on that list get bigger and bigger and you think, oh, just, if, if, I can just, if I can just get to that, I'll be, I'll be happy. And, and, and eventually you may get there, you may end up there, you may not, but you may end up there and then it's like, well, I don't know what to do now because it's not really the thing, there's this emptiness that happens. Maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe you're still, maybe you're content, but I can tell you, and there's probably plenty of people if you asked around who know people who have jumped from thing to thing trying to find a happiness in this current life, trying to find quality of life in the stuff. And whether that's, um, like I said, whether that's the physical, whether that's a, you know, a, a career move that puts you in, you know, in a position of power, whether that's a, you know, I... I you know, I'm the best in my game in Australia or whether that's, a, you know, you, you're chasing girls or chasing guys or whether that's whatever it might be or whether you turn to like, well, you know, this, this is not really working so you start taking things, you start drinking things, you start, whatever it might be, there's plenty of stuff that people turn to, all different types of things. It might be pictures on a screen, if you know what I mean, gentlemen. It might be whatever it sort of stuff it is, just trying to get the next hit, trying to find something that excites you. Jesus says, oh, I want to give it to you. I want to give you quality. All right, well, here's a question. How do we give, how do we claim, how do we get hold of this quality of life that Jesus offers? How do we, like, it's all well and good, yeah, Neil, here we go again, you know, you can say that uh, it's, it's something that we should be looking for and like, well, what do you do? Do you pray? Do you just like, okay, God, here it is, like, now what? What do we do now? What does that mean pr practically? How do, we, how do we get hold of that quality of life that Jesus has said he offered us. He says, I want to give you life and I want to give it life to the full. I want to give you an abundant life. Um, different versions say. How do we give that? All right, one more verse, one more text, one more passage. And still in John, uh, and this is going to be, I guess, our last little example of, of, um, of how this happens. It's a story. John chapter 6. Uh, in John chapter 6, we're going to read verse 8. Uh, to 11, but just to set the scene of this final, of this final story, Jesus is, has been working flat out, he's been doing a whole heap of stuff, he's been to, talking to a whole heap of people, he's got his disciples around him are doing stuff, uh, and he's been obviously leading the way and he's, and he's got a few other things going on and he's just wanting space, he's wanting to get away, so what he does, he gets, his, gets the boys together and he says, right, hey, fellas, we're going out and uh, we're going to go and we're going to cross the other side of the lake, we, so he, he tries to get away from everybody but people see him, people realise what's going on and they follow him and there's a whole swarm, there's like a whole town, in fact there's probably, you know, there's thousands of people that follow him there and Jesus says, alright, here we go again and so he takes them under the wing and he starts talking to them he starts talking to these 5,000 men plus, plus whoever else is around, you know, the ladies and the, and the children and all that sort of stuff and, he's, and he's, he talks to them all day because they're just, they're just lapping it up, he's just, got this, he's just got it going on, he's got this stuff happening that people just, they're just drawn to him like, and it's, it's a sort of a weird thing because 
you know, back to John 3.16, it talks about, you know, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I come to save it. And he had this, he had this ability just to condemn no one, to make no one feel bad for who they are, but just take them as they are. And people just, it was contagious. People lapped that up and they followed him and they followed him everywhere. And in this particular situation, there's thousands of people that have followed him into, uh, onto this side of this hill or wherever it was, out in the paddock somewhere. And he starts talking to them. By the end of the day, they're all still sitting around looking at him and Jesus and one of the disciples sort of comes up, taps him on the shoulder and says, mate, um, there's no, she might, have not, might not realise but we're out in the bush here and there's, no one, there's nowhere around where these people are going to get eat. They're going to be hungry pretty soon. In fact, they already are. They've probably missed out on lunch or whatever. He said, um, we need to send them off. We need to feed them. And Jesus turns around and says, mm, how about you do it? And they're just like, what the heck? Like, where the, it's one of those statements where Jesus makes it. It's just like, that doesn't make sense. Like, it's just not logical. Jesus, and Jesus had a bit of a habit of doing that where he'd ask, someone would ask a question and, that, and he'd turn around and give an answer that just was not practical, did not make sense. And this is exactly what happened. Jesus, Jesus is talking to all these guys and, these, and, and the disciples come up and tap him on the shoulder and say, right, we need to feed these, we need to send these people off so they can get some food, go into the surrounding areas and buy food or whatever. And Jesus said, no, no, you do it. You feed them. And they're going like, mate, that had, like, the cost of feeding this many people, these thousands of people, it'd be more than a year's wages. It's like it's thousands and thousands of dollars equivalent, shekels or whatever they had. Um, like, with no way we could do that. And finally they find this kid who had just a small, a small like, parcel. And this is where I want to focus in. This is where the story comes together. Uh, in verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? So basically they've gone out, they've tried to find anyone with some food, maybe we could share it. They've come up with this kid with these little barley loaves, they're probably like little buns or something, little like maybe pretty, you know, probably not real nice, I don't know, pretty, pretty solid. And a couple of little fish, just a little snack, a little lunch. And he says, this is all we've got. But here's the thing. Jesus says, have the people, this is verse 10, have... Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed amongst those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Jesus took this small little offering, this small little lunch this kid had. He offered it to God, he blessed it and he fed everyone with it. You want to know how to give an abundant life? You want to know how to live in a abundance have life in abundance how cool would it be if you said to god i'm nobody i'm nothing i don't have a lot to offer but what i have you can have what i have is yours and you can take what i have and when we give whatever we have it doesn't matter whether we're you know whether we're we're older or whether we're you know high school age students or whether we're you know 20s or 30s or whatever we are 30s is still in the young people's age I'm just saying um, doesn't matter how old we are doesn't matter who we are doesn't matter how, how great or how insignificant we think we are or how much we do or don't have to offer what happens when we just give that little thing that we have to God in the Bible here it talks about Jesus took, these, took this little lunch, this food parcel, and he's distributed amongst thousands of thousands. But there's nothing that God can't do with what you offer him. 
how excited, think about this from the boy's perspective. Imagine this kid, right, comes up and it says, you know, they've, the Bible says that the boy came up, right? This kid came up with Jesus, came up with Andrew, I should say, and went to Jesus and said, mate, here's my lunch. You can have it. I haven't eaten that. Maybe it was so feral that he didn't want to eat it. I don't know. Like, maybe that's what was left over. Like, here it is. And Jesus blessed us. And he gave it to everyone. Everyone was full. Everyone had enough to eat. What if we did that with what we had? No matter how insignificant we think we might be, no matter whether we think we, we have all the talents in the world to, to do whatever it is for God or whether we think, I don't even know what I can do for God. What am I meant to do for God? What if we said to God, God, I believe you. I believe you are the Son of God and I want to put my faith and trust in you. I want to give my life over to you. And I'm going to trust and believe that there's going to be a life eternal, the quantity of life, but I also believe there's a quality of life. I also believe that there's something pretty special um, that, that you can do with my life. We're a little group of people here at Refresh. And if this is your first time at Refresh, you're part of Refresh already. You're part of our family. There's a group of people here at Refresh this morning. And I believe if we all really sincerely gave everything we had to God, God would be able to do amazing things with it. That God would be able to impact particularly our school, our school community, for him in a, in a really special way. If we said, right, God, here it is. Here's everything I have. I'm going to put everything that I have in your care. Really, like, look around, there's a whole heap of people in this place. There's, and there's, like, there's others out there doing the kids stuff. There's a stink load of people with a whole lot of things that they can give to God. Even though we think as individuals, oh, it mightn't be a lot, and I don't even know if I, you know, I could never get up the front and talk. Yeah, well, guess what? That used to be me too, just saying. And, but maybe that's not you. Maybe God's never going to ask you. That's all right. But whatever it is that God asks you to do, I'm just going to take a step in faith because it's not going to be easy. It's not, it's, it's not always easy to give yourself to God, all right? Because you've got to sort of let go. You've got to relinquish. You've, all right, God, just, I'm happy to be in control. But like as soon as I... Like, it, it does. It takes a bit of... It's, it can make you a bit nervous. I'm going to go back to Nicodemus. We hear about Nicodemus three times in the, in the book of John. That's all we ever hear about him in the Bible, to my understanding first time we hear about Nicodemus he comes to Jesus at night, at night doesn't really believe okay he's, he's a bit uncertain he doesn't really want anyone else he's like he, he's checking this God character out this Jesus this son of God out the second time we hear about Nicodemus he's actually in the Sanhedrin he's actually in that council in the you know in the in the basically he's actually as a jury and, and he sort of he doesn't really he doesn't really uh, stand up for Jesus but he stands up for procedure and he says hang on a minute when everything was going a bit pear-shaped for Jesus he said well this guy needs a fair trial just remember that um, and everyone sort of started bagging him out, right? But he sort, of, he sort of was trying to be a little bit bolder. The third time we hear about Nicodemus is when Jesus died, and he was actually there taking him off the cross, and he was actually helping bury his body. Because Nicodemus had realised, first of all, he just he took the first little step about believing. He took that first step, and he, he came to Jesus at night, talked with, talked with Jesus. Sort of along the way, he starts to... He starts to um, he starts to be a little bit bolder and then finally he buries his king. He realises who he is and buries his king. What if we did that? What if each of us, every single person in this room said, right, oh God, here I am. I'm going I'm I'm to just take those little steps of boldness and I'm going to get bolder and bolder because I want to give to you 
all of me. I want to give to you everything I have and that I want to be able to, A, live a quality of life with you, live it to the full, not just, not just stuff around, not, but I want, to, I want to see you at work. I want to see you make some good things happen. And I think we can do that as a community here at Refresh, particularly as well as in your wider communities where you work or whatever you may do. We can impact Christ when we give our little bit to him. When we believe, we can have a life, both a life eternal but a life to the full and a life right here, right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so very much for the stories you have in the Bible. We've covered a lot of ground, but Lord, that you are there. And I really pray. There might be people here today that just, maybe it's just something on their heart. Maybe you're working on them to take that next step in that belief journey, I guess. Uh, And maybe um, they're not real sure what to do. And I just pray that you will continue to prompt us. And and all of us, um, no one accepted that we can all just take that step Um, towards you more and more and that we can give more and more over to you and that we can get to the place where we just offer ourselves no matter how small and pitiful the the gifts and talents we think we might have to offer you that we can just say, well, here it is. You do with it as you please. Uh, And Lord, from that I pray that we can have a life that's so amazing, so abundant. It might not be the... The things we might not we might not have, you know, fancy cars and big houses, that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about a joy in our heart that's much better than all that stuff. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for every person that's here. Um, just want to thank you for the friendship and the community um, that we've been able to create. Amen. Thanks, Neil. Um, that concludes our Sabbath program for today. Feel free to hang around and chat for a bit if you want. Um, If it's your first time, hope you enjoyed worshipping with us today. Have a good week. We'll see you next week.